In the chapter today, Psalm 8 was reading this morning. It reminded us, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. What is man that you are mindful of him? And we go through the gospel narrative, and Paul reminds us in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, still rebellious, Christ died for us. Therefore, we can sing what we just sang, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Amen? It is good to know that guilty sinners have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It is by grace. It is through faith in Christ and Christ alone. I want you to take your Bible. Let's go again to Acts, the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapter 8 this time. Acts chapter 8. In a moment, we'll start reading in verse 26 as we read about a messenger who goes boldly. In fact, we continue our series, More Like Jesus, In this series, we're identifying six marks of a disciple that we call measures. And we've gone through four of those. We're on number five today. Uh, First of all, it was a child who knows who? God. All right, help me out a little bit. Then a student who lives how? Changed. A friend who loves who? Others. A helper who gives how? And a messenger who goes... Hey, you got that stronger than all the others. That's good. Uh, We are looking at that messenger who goes boldly through the lens of one of those early believers who gladly spent his life to see the gospel transform that next generation. His name is Philip, and this one is Philip the Evangelist. As we read the New Testament, there are at least two prominent Philips in this early group of believers. And there is one, Philip the disciple, along with Peter and Andrew, was from Bethsaida. And it was this Philip that Jesus called to come follow him. And when he identified Christ, he went and grabbed Nathaniel and introduced him to to Jesus. But it's the second Philip, Philip the evangelist, that we have in view in Acts chapter 8. He's distinguished from Philip the disciple with that tag, the evangelist. We meet this Philip for the very first time in Acts chapter 6 when that new church uh, was exploding in growth and with that tremendous growth came need and and there were some widows whose needs were not being met. So they said, here's how we're going to meet the needs. We're going to look in the group of disciples and select from this group uh, seven godly men who are of good reputation and full of the Holy Spirit. It's in that group of seven that this Philip, the evangelist, is first identified, and he is called out to wait tables and serve the widows. But it's also this Philip that we read as we read through Acts that when persecution began to increase in Jerusalem, he scattered, and where he ended up was a place that most people dodged. That was Samaria. But as Philip went, wherever he went, he couldn't help but speak of the gospel that had radically changed his life. And so even to Samaritans, half-breeds, outcast, rejected by man, 
He spoke the good news of the gospel. And even to that kind of people, the gospel power began to radically rescue and save lives. And there was a movement happening there in Samaria. It's this Philip that we're introduced to in chapter 8 that is led by the Holy Spirit to be a messenger that goes from where God is working among the Samaritans to a place that God was going to tell him, but first you go down this desert road and then I'll tell you what's next. Now, time out. Last week, remember where we were, we took a snapshot of community life of this early group of believers from Acts chapter 4. Uh, we, we learned that as they came together, they, they shared things in common. They really had that koinonia, having all things in common. But that unity was centralized around the gospel, around Jesus Christ. And in the context where we are in Acts chapter 8, it's right on the hills of Stephen's death, the first Christian martyr. Stephen dies because he proclaimed the resurrected Christ with boldness. There's a guy named Saul, the persecutor, who is wreaking havoc upon these early believers. In fact, Saul is still entering houses, dragging off men and women, and committing them to prison. And so this is in between Stephen's death and Saul's conversion. Saul became Paul the preacher after he was apprehended by the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. In between that is Philip the evangelist who is preaching boldly the gospel to the Samaritans. And then lo and behold, God interrupts his life. An angel of the Lord dispatches him to a place unknown. And so he just uh, rose and went as the Holy Spirit said, go. And so as we look at, Steve, uh, at Philip's life, we're going to see in him some attributes of a messenger who goes boldly. What, what are some characteristics of that kind of guy's life? I want to read in Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40, big text, and want to invite you to stand if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word. As you're standing, I want to welcome those that worship with us online today, and uh, we're glad that you're worshiping with us at Liberty today. Look at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. Now, how would you respond if that's what you got? Verse 27, so he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge, over, charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Hang on to that. He was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. That's Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? 
Then Philip opened his mouth and began, and beginning at that scripture, Isaiah 53, preached to Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he, the eunuch, went away rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus, and and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. You'll note something about Philip the evangelist. Wherever he goes, he's preaching, he's proclaiming. That's why he's got that nickname. But understand this about Philip also. He's just an ordinary person who's been saved by a super ordinary God. And he realizes it's the gospel that has radically changed him. And he can't help but speak of that which has changed his heart. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for glimpses in your word of messengers who are obedient. Filled with your Holy Spirit who go proclaiming the good news of the gospel to others. Help us to see in the life of Philip, Father, what you have already given us in our life as your children. And help us to walk in obedience, be more bold in our witness as we walk out these doors in a few minutes. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated if you have your sermon notes. The paragraph of a messenger who goes boldly, our narrative is there. I want to read through it. I am a messenger. If you're a child of God, you are a messenger. I recognize that Jesus left me with a charge and gave me everything I need to carry it out faithfully. His message is in me and his spirit empowers me. You're going to see that. As I am living my day-to-day life, I seek ways to share the gospel with those who need to hear it. I refuse to abandon this world to God's enemy and an eternity of hopelessness. Therefore, I leverage my life at work, at school, at home, and anywhere else to pursue spiritual conversations with those around me because I am a messenger. And every day I grow into this identity. In Christ, we are already messengers empowered to go boldly. As we read the scriptures, this is what we understand as children of God, that the scriptures teach that physical death is not the end. In fact, there is an eternity that we deal with. One or two places is where we will spend our eternity. It is either heaven or hell. There is no in-between for every man, woman, boy, and girl who has ever been born. Anyone who does not surrender to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord will be condemned and cast into a devil's hell because all of us, all mankind, is guilty by nature and by choice as sinners. But everyone who confesses their sin turns their life from their life of rebellion and places their total trust in Jesus Christ, who He is and what He has done on our behalf dying in our place, shedding his blood, being buried and rising again, 
we have an eternal home in Christ in heaven by grace, through faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Here's what we need to understand with every breath that we take in, that the eternal clock is ticking for every individual every single day with eternity in the balance. This is one reason that we are commissioned as children of God to be ambassadors who go representing the Lord Jesus Christ as we go, imploring people on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5.20. This is why we have the mission mandate in Matthew 28 to go therefore and make what? Disciples. Can't make disciples unless they know Christ. And once they come to know Christ, teach them how to grow to be more like Christ. We are commissioned as ambassadors. We are commissioned to go make disciples because people need Jesus. And without Jesus, people are lost. And if they die lost, they're headed to hell. That's why we are called to be messengers who go boldly. Our International Mission Board, IMB, estimates that every single day there are 157,000 people who die lost around the world. That means they die separated from a holy God. They die hell-bound. They die having no relationship with a Savior. Their eternity is sealed, and they will be cast ultimately into that eternal hell that Scripture identifies as the lake of fire. These lost people are our neighbors, co-workers, peers at school, in our workout community, fellow parents sitting in the stands or standing on the sideline cheering on our kids. These are the clerks that work in the stores around us, the waiter and the waitress that waits on us in our community. Therefore, we must ask ourselves a real hard question. If we are messengers commissioned by the power of God to share the good news of the gospel boldly as we go, and if there are lost people in our pathway on a daily basis, then how much do we really care? I, like Matt, would have to say that out of all six of those identifying marks of a disciple, a messenger who goes boldly is the one that I'm going to say I'm weakest in. Don't gasp because I'm a preacher. I'm just telling you, when I go out there on the streets just like you and meet people on a daily basis, the area that I'm going to struggle the most with and the area that I'm tempted to make excuses about is being a messenger who goes boldly. In fact, that's true with every life group that we've done surveys with. With these six measures, we are scoring ourselves low as messengers who go boldly. And we're being honest. This is the area that I need to grow in the most. And so let's just get it out in the open. If that is you, like me, it's okay to acknowledge I need to grow as a messenger who goes boldly. Because there's something that we're going to see in Philip the Evangelist. We're going to see it's not about how good Philip is. It's not about how eloquent his speech is. It's not about his family heritage. It's not about his schooling. It's the fact that Philip was radically saved and now he's empowered with the Holy Spirit of God. And as he lives out his life, he is yielded to God at work inside of him. And he is allowing this God to work not only in him, but overflow through him and impact the lives of others. Charles Spurgeon is a famous 19th century preacher. He once said, if sinners be damned, 
At least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. Hey, church, this is exactly why we were compelled in 2022 to begin praying by name for people that we believe needed to know Jesus. It's why today we still are praying, and we pray by name of people who need the Lord. It's one thing to say, oh, dear God, will you save the lost? That's a general prayer. That is a wide net. It's not a bad prayer, but it's quite something else when I have a burden for Larry, and I begin to pray for Larry, and I begin to ask God to open his heart and his mind, and I began to implore the Holy Spirit of God, will you prepare him? Will you prepare me? Will you provide a divine opportunity? And as I'm praying for Larry, and I might drive up, and, and I might see him in the yard one day, it's the Holy Spirit who says, now's the time. You see, when we pray for people fervently, by name and specifically, folks that need to be saved, don't be surprised that the Holy Spirit nudges you to be the one who is the messenger who goes boldly. That's why we began praying by name. If you don't have a list of people that are co-workers, peers at school, people in the community, family members, neighbors, if you don't have somebody identified that you're praying by, by name for their salvation, I want to encourage you to get there. Because God works as we pray and lift them to him. Secondly, that's exactly why also in 2023, a year ago, that we had a series that kicked off the year called The Gospel Above All. And the challenge in 2023 was 3 and 23. Can I remember that? That, that we challenged ourselves that I, I'm at least three times this whole year, I'm going to share the gospel in my home, in my life group, and with somebody that needs Jesus in my community. Hey, Liberty family, it's been encouraging and exciting to hear how many gospel and spiritual conversations that through our life groups we have recorded. Here's what I want you to know. You may not have seen a bit of fruit. Maybe you have, and we celebrate the fruit that we've seen. But if you haven't seen any fruit, know this. The gospel never returns void. With every one of those conversations, almost 400 conversations in and through people called Liberty Baptist Family, God has presented the truth of the gospel. The Holy Spirit continues to work on the hearts of the people. But that's why we did 3 and 23, because we need to be messengers going boldly. And people around us need to know about Jesus, because without him, they're going to spend eternity in hell. And that is bad news. As we grow to love Jesus more, we'll grow to love the things that he loves. And some of those things he loves are people who have not yet come to him as children of God. Those that he died for and shed his blood for. One way we grow also in our measures is by the example of others. Maybe in your life group, it's time that, that you can just kind of reflect upon, all right, who in my life kind of is stronger than I am as that messenger who goes boldly? We can watch. We can, we can observe. We can learn from them. Well, Scripture gives us that opportunity as well. And so in Scripture this morning, we're going to learn from Philip the Evangelist three attributes that a messenger who goes boldly will have. If you have your sermon notes, this is number one. All right, 30 minutes to get through the intro. How about that? Messengers who go bold, you got to listen fast. Live surrendered 
to the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. Live surrendered to the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. Keep in mind, Jesus promised to his disciples back in John chapter 14. And in verse 16, Jesus made this promise. This is in the context. He said, I'm leaving And where I go, you cannot go. There's some anxiety, separation anxiety going on. And he's rendering them comfort in John 14. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper or another counselor to be with you forever. That Greek word counselor or helper comes from paraclete. And it means one who is called to come alongside of. It has the idea of someone who encourages and exhorts. We know that that counselor is the Holy Spirit of God. He is the one who stands with us in the midst of the battle. He is the one who stands with us in the midst of our life struggles. He is the one that stands with us in the midst of gospel conversations. He's the one that goes with us because when we are saved, the Holy Spirit of God abides with and within. He, he is with us. And that's important to realize because look at Acts 1 and chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 8. said Jesus reminded them the disciples are huddled in Jerusalem. They have witnessed the resurrected Lord. He is about to ascend to be back with the Father. And, and he says, now something's about to happen. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. Power to be my witnesses. We could say it this way. Power to be my messengers who go boldly into Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As children of God, understand the truth of the Holy Spirit of God and His work in you and through you. What enabled Philip To be a messenger who goes boldly was not just his ability. It was his surrendered heart to the work of the Holy Spirit of God. I say that to say this. We acknowledge that we are weak as messengers who go boldly. What we need is not necessarily more Bible knowledge, though that might be the case. What we need is to apply what we already know the Bible to teach about the power of the Holy Spirit of God at work in us and desires to be that witness through us. Really what we need is to do what Philip did in this passage and surrender to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 6, he was set apart to serve. In Acts chapter 8, as, as persecution in Jerusalem cranked up and he was one who scattered, he ended up in Samaria preaching and people being changed. And then the angel of the Lord interrupted his life in Samaria and says, go south to the road, the desert, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now don't miss, as we read that, God's initiative in every part of this story. God is at work. He initiates. That just reminds us in salvation, God is the initiator. He is the one who saves, and he is the one who secures. And so it's all about God. But here we see Philip, who is the messenger, being yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit of God, and we see the Holy Spirit at work in somebody else's life. And so God's initiative is evident. angel of the Lord visited Philip sent him off. He directed him toward the wilderness in the south. It's interesting. He said, he, he said, leave the revival that is happening in Samaria because as he preached in Samaria, people were being saved. 
And word got out about the Samaritans being saved, and they even sent witnesses from Jerusalem church to figure out if this was real. And they see the power of God that saved them is the same power of God saving the Samaritans. And there was a mighty work of God. And Dr. Luke just simply says, as, as the angel of the Lord appeared and said, Go, Philip arose and went. That's all we get. I don't know if he was Baptist or not, because this Baptist preacher said, well, Time out, Lord, aren't you at work right here? Hey, don't you need me here in Samaria? Look at what's going on. I'm in the midst of a revival. I, I don't want to leave. Not now, Lord. It's not the right time. Why would he want to leave and head down a desert road? Conventional wisdom would lead him to think he was already where God wanted him to be because God was at work where he was. I want you to hang on to that. Rather than argue about staying where the movement of God was happening, he trusted the God of the movement to direct him to what was yet to come. And as a result of his obedience, a lost man came to know Jesus. Now, Philip did not simply walk across his yard to go to the Ethiopian unit. It is estimated he may have had to travel 100 miles to get to that desert road in that spot. As Philip traveled, though, the Holy Spirit instructed him, all right, there's a chariot, and in that chariot there's an Ethiopian eunuch. Overtake that chariot and have a conversation. We need to understand when we read Ethiopian, the mindset of the Romans, they, they considered Ethiopian to be the edge of the world. An Ethiopian eunuch, therefore, would not be someone notable or prestigious in, Romans, uh, in Roman eyes. Not only is he Ethiopian, but then that, he's an official and he's a eunuch. As an official... He was somebody in the, in the queen of the Ethiopian's court. He, he was like the minister of finance, so he had a title. But as an official, he was also a eunuch. PG-13 for a minute. A eunuch here refers to a man who has been castrated for the purpose of trusted servitude in the royal household. Jewish law did not permit this man as a eunuch to enter the Jerusalem temple. But where was he coming from? Jerusalem. Why was he in Jerusalem? To worship. Hang on. He could watch worship from a distance, but he could only go as far as the court of the Gentiles. He could not enter the court of Israel. Even if he had been a Jew, his status as a eunuch would still have rendered him unable to come into the assembly. He would have had to worship God from a distance, from afar. In short... As both a Gentile and a eunuch, this man was an outcast, a religious outsider, someone who could not be welcomed into God's presence. That was man's rule. What we have happening here is the gospel on the move. It's already gone to Samaria. Those Samaritans, they were half-breeds and hated and, and considered unclean unacceptable. They could not come into the presence of God either. Now we go to Ethiopian eunuch who is a religious outsider, who is different in race, and he is considered unclean. But the Holy Spirit of God is taking a messenger of the gospel to the one that the world considered an outcast and wanted him to hear the good news of the gospel that even an Ethiopian eunuch, when he realized his sin, put his trust in Christ, could be declared a child of God. That's good news. 
Philip went over in verse 29. His heart was open to all kinds of people. He proved that through his actions in Samaria and also now with the Ethiopian eunuch. This whole chapter in Acts is a lesson about how God's ways are not our ways. This story makes no sense from a human perspective. In fact, much of Acts does not make sense if we look at it from our own logic. But this conversion story didn't happen because of the conventional wisdom of man or human planning. It is the sovereign work of God sending a messenger who had been radically redeemed to a lost man who was seeking to know and bringing them together in a divine appointment and allowing his word to speak truth about how this Ethiopian eunuch can know Christ. Just as a side note, a missional church will be composed of individuals who are led by the Spirit just like Philip. The Lord will direct us if we seek Him. question is, will we obey? And sometimes when the Lord directs His church, His people to be a missional people, it's not logical. Sometimes the timing seems off to us. Sometimes the way forward seems impossible to us. But if the Holy Spirit is leading, then there is a divine appointment waiting, and there are people who need Jesus. And so what we need to focus on is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us as individuals, as messengers who go boldly about the people in our rhythm of life, but also as a congregation as to whether or not God is leading us forward in specific ways to advance the gospel movement for His glory. I want to just give a point of clarification. i got to move quick, and you're going to have to listen quicker. You don't have to wait, and I don't have to wait for that special prompting, nudging, urging of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel. You know why? We already have Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples. You cannot make disciples unless you do like Philip, open your mouth and speak Jesus through the Scriptures. But when we do, then, then, then we're obedient. That's why we have Acts 1.8. But after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, that's when your power came. And your power, Philip, is not you, but the power is the Holy Spirit at work within you. So just yield to what God has called you to do. Allow His power to enable you to do what you're not going to do on your own and see what God will do through a vessel who is totally yielded to Him. We do get promptings of the Holy Spirit. We encourage you to pray for people by name because when we're praying by name and we see that, that person, that individual, the Holy Spirit might just say, now's the time. When I, when I drive down my driveway and my neighbor's in the yard, neighbor that's hard to see otherwise other than them doing yard work, it might be stop the truck, get out of the truck, now go have a conversation. It might be the family that we've met on our, that are parents of, the, of, of children on our kids' team, and, and we see them. We don't know a whole lot about them, or maybe we do know a lot about them. They're not connected with the community of faith, and, and we see a spot open beside them on the bleachers, and it might be the Holy Spirit says, now's a good time to get to know them better. It might be that, that friend at school or that coworker or that person in the community that we've been building a relationship with. And when we see them at a specific moment, the Holy Spirit nudges, now's the time. That's the way He works. 
He will prompt us. The question is, am I going to listen and be obedient like Philip? Number two on your notes, messengers who go boldly know the gospel story through Scripture. Verse 27, having come to Jerusalem for worship, the Ethiopian, uh, it, it indicates, man, that's a long ways for him to travel to go to Jerusalem to worship. I mean, it was, it was long ways. So that tells us something about him. He fears God, the God of Israel. He's not yet saved, but maybe he's even a Jewish proselyte. But even if he's a proselyte of, of the Jewish faith, he's still at a distance. He's still an outcast. And so as he is going to Jerusalem to worship, even at a distance, he's coming back, meditating, studying Scripture that talks about a Messiah, and he doesn't understand it. The Holy Spirit prompts Philip again, run alongside the chariot, capture his attention. Verse 30, as Philip got close, he heard him reading. It's something to note in the ancient world. When they read, they read out loud. What Philip heard was familiar to him because he understood Scripture. It was Isaiah 53, and he understood that is a messianic uh, Scripture that points forward to Jesus. And then Philip asked him the question, do you understand what you're reading? What happens next is a divine appointment. He asked if he understood. The Philip, said, Philip said, the Ethiopian said, how can I unless someone tells me? Uh, you're talking about an invitation to share the gospel right there. It's like somebody walking up to you or me and saying, man, I'm convicted and I'm lost and, and, and I need to be saved. Can you tell me how? That, that, that's the, the context that, that is right here. That's kind of the, the atmosphere. And Philip jumped in. The reason that he was be able to be bold in that moment is because he understood the gospel. You remember back at the first of last year, that Gospel Above All series, there are four words we tried to really instill in you. And we keep bringing them back up so that we'll have a familiarity with how we can share the gospel. God, man, Christ's response. You remember that? And, and the reason we're not going to go boldly if we don't understand clearly the gospel. But when you understand, even if it's just John 3.16, you can share the gospel with John 3.16. Some of you may choose Romans Road, like uh, Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter which scripture, just understand scripture points to Jesus, and that's what Philip knew. He had a working knowledge of Scripture, and that's what God wants you to do. And so God had led the Ethiopian eunuch to search him. He'd gone to Jerusalem to worship, even at a distance. God had put before him Isaiah 53. Now God brought a messenger to him who understood the Scripture, and when he said, can you show me? He began, he opened his mouth, and he began to speak Jesus to him. And he, I, it, we're, we don't have a timeline, don't know how long this sermon went. But we know the end of it. When they got beside the water, the Ethiopian eunuch said, what hinders me to be baptized? There's water. So apparently they're talking about what it means to be saved. They're talking about professing your faith as a believer publicly through baptism. And so Philip said, you can be if you believe. He said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Chariot stopped, they went down, got in the water, and Philip 
baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. Why? Because Philip understood the gospel message. Maybe a next step for you is to bear down on selecting a few of those scriptures. And even if you use God, man, Christ's response, rally it around scripture to be able to share the good news of the gospel. Number three. One thing Philip understood as a messenger who goes boldly is to expect God to work as they, as he, as they are obedient to share the gospel. Here's what we need to remember as messengers. It's not us. It's not about how good we do. It's not about how dynamic we come across. But it's about the power of the gospel. It's about the power of God's word. Here's what Philip practiced. When he spoke the gospel, he just expected God to move. He'd seen that happen in the early church as it was growing. He saw that happen in Samaria. And he just believed if God directed his step and God put an Ethiopian eunuch in his path, that when he spoke of Jesus through the lens of Scripture, he expected God to do a greater work. Now, Acts is a beautiful book of the Acts of the Apostles and the gospel movement. But Acts is also very, very real that not everybody who heard the gospel responded to the gospel favorably but the Ethiopian eunuch did and what Philip understood is God is at work every time you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and you speak the truth of the gospel through the lens of scripture then you can expect God to do immeasurably more Philip lived it he believed it God has redeemed you by grace through faith in Christ. Once you're born again, the Holy Spirit abides within you. And our movement as messengers who go boldly is by the power of His might. Which means we have to yield and get our fears, get our excuses, get our flesh out of the way and let God work in and through us. Had not Philip gone, at least on this divine appointment, that Ethiopian eunuch would still be headed to hell. But because he was willing to go, his eternity changed. I love the way it ends. Came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit carried Philip away. We don't know what that meant or how that looks like. He was gone. The Ethiopian eunuch saw him no more. But how did the Ethiopian eunuch go forward? Rejoicing. Why? Because this God that he'd been reading about, this Messiah that he'd been pursuing and seeking, this this one that he desired to draw near to God, but yet the world and the religious world around him said, no, you're an outcast, you can only get so far. He has now been declared to be a very child of God. There's some things that we can do as we apply this lesson. Number one, love others the way Jesus has loved you. That's what Philip did. Even Samaritans, even the Ethiopians, love others the way Jesus loved you. Number two, yield to the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you. It's okay to say, I'm weak here. It's okay to say, I can't because we can't. But God can when we yield our life to Him. And then, understand and be ready to explain 
the gospel when that conversation opportunity comes. If we pray for God to open our eyes that we may see the opportunities, get ready. We better be praying, God, give me the boldness by your spirit to speak truth out of love to those around me. Messengers who go boldly need to take a step forward. We all do. What does that look like for you today? It might start with surrender. Lord, help me. Be the messenger to go boldly with the gospel today. Let's pray. Father, we ask your help as we consider where we are in our walk with Jesus. And Father, there's none of us exempt with struggle in this particular measure. But Father, if we could do it, we wouldn't need you. Help us to come to the end of our self-effort of being a dynamic speaker or trying to wow people with our knowledge of Scripture or our, Father, whatever it is that we try with self-effort. And help us to simply yield to you and ask you to do a greater work within us. And when we experience in you do a greater work in us, knowing that it's by grace through faith in Jesus, we've been rescued and redeemed, and we begin to understand what our redemption means in Christ. And it's like Peter and John. We can't help but speak of what we know you've done in our life. So, Father, open our eyes to see opportunity and help us to yield our will to yours and let your spirit control, empower, enable us, and even counsel us to be messengers who go boldly. Father, may our community know Jesus because we were obedient messengers for your glory. It's in his name we pray.